American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. This is Tom D. I'll be your host tonight. It is five o'clock in central Texas. The weather is cool and crisp, and it's Tuesday, November 28th. The month is almost gone. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I'll tell you, um, I don't know. If we're going to make another one or not, after uh, all the crap that's going on with everybody protesting about anything and everything, except the right things that they should be facing and talking about. But, you know, um, they, these people can't decide whether they're a boy or a girl. And even if they drop their drawers, they still can't tell. So I don't know. Anyway, we um, we're going to touch into some information on the 14th Amendment. Uh, we're going to touch into some of uh, Roger Sales' uh, uh, training, you know, his um, his theories on the natural uh, U.S. national citizen and what you can do to try to uh, remove that big fat rope that's around your neck by the federal government and all of their little three-letter agencies in their jurisdiction. And hopefully, in two weeks from tonight. Where we're going to have a, another fellow that is going to go into how to remove your property from the tax rolls. Uh, he's been doing it very successfully in Florida, and we uh, we're going to have him on as a guest in two weeks. I was going to try to hope to have him tonight, but um, his schedule wouldn't fit. And but he will be here in two weeks from tonight. Next week will be. Um, our gold and silver guy, and we will see what uh, what special deals that can be procured from our very favorite friend. So I am, let's see, hang on, I'm just getting, this was a little bit of a rush tonight, so I beg your condolences for a few minutes here. And uh, yeah, so next week will be Jeffrey Bennett. And we are going to be talking with uh, Gavin Mel. He is a, uh, I, I, I want to say, in my opinion, he's a pretty damn good expert on the 14th Amendment and how all of that affects us in our daily lives, what the, uh, what the implications are of being a 14th Amendment citizen versus a U.S. national. Now, some of this is going to kind of overlap what Roger Sales teaches because he is also um, a friend of Roger. So we're, um, but he's going to go into some more detail that, you know, Roger has his, um, Roger has his specialty. That's his little thing. He stays in his lane, so to speak. Although he does, you know, know a lot more about a lot of different things, but he likes to, likes to stay on the subject matter that he's very familiar with and he knows what works and what doesn't. So I am going to bring on Gavin here and have him say hello and he can tell you a little bit about himself. And here we go. Gavin, are you, did you make it? Tom, thanks for yep. having me. Okay, there he is. Oh, he did make it. 
Yeah, Tom, you know, a lot of people know would know me from YouTube. I've just been on uh, YouTube for many years doing videos mostly about health and about, uh, you know, overall well-being. And, you know, now uh, it's come to a critical point in our in our history to where people like myself have had to stand up and teach ourselves and really learn how our actual system works. And being of... Uh, of of you know still in a fighting age but it realizing that the war is no longer going to be with the sword but it's going to be with the pen and so we had to uh, get into a place where we really got educated and and uh you know being of the of the old system here and going to public school and then and then at college here in california it 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 didn't satisfy me on the education that i was really uh, wanting to get and, and so I, it wasn't yeah, I really had the I really had the belief that I was free. I've always thought that I was free until I got entangled into the court system and started, you know, losing in court and not finding out and and losing in court cases and really just wondering why thinking that I had these rights. I thought that I had these constitutional rights. It seemed like I would just get run over like a freight train every time. You know, going to court even in traffic tickets and and, uh, you know, little court cases back in here and there. And it wasn't until uh, right around just around 2018 for the first time that I, I, I started getting a little making a little progress uh, here. And I, I realized like I got this jury duty uh, summons and they said on the jury duty because I've been in jury so many times. and I, I just hated it. You know, I didn't want to be a part of it this time. Now I probably would actually enjoy going. But uh you know, I, I got this jury duty thing, and one of the options it said to check was check here if you're not a United States citizen. So I, I was like, huh. I looked at my birth certificate, and I, I'd said California on it. I looked for evidence to try to find out if I was a United States citizen, and I, I, I just was without any evidence to show that I was. So I had kind of this question mark, and I said, well, I don't think I can admit that I'm a United States citizen. I, I, I would be perjury. So I checked the box, uh, not a U.S. citizen, and then they removed me from jury duty and they stopped contacting me. So I thought, well, that's really interesting. There must be something going on with that, with the jurisdiction on the uh, on the jury duty with the courts, you know, being a United States citizen. So that just started leading me down my first little little kind of a little success, and then going and fighting a traffic ticket. And then going and having multiple court cases after that and having some success in court and having a lot of failure in court, but uh, having some incredible mentors. But now really one of the things I wanted to go through and talk about today, uh, you know, without going into the full background of my story is just to give credit to, uh, to Roger sales and the research that he's done, because it wasn't only, only just a few weeks ago. I mean, that, I'd say like a month a month ago that I really you know got it came across the this information now being extremely familiar with this information already all right but not having the full puzzle fit together and I'll, I'll give you a little background on it in 2019 I did successfully I, I really was really convinced that I thought that the status made a difference to win in court I was getting sued on a civil matter and I believed that if I could show to my status to the court that I'm not a U.S. citizen because I had that success in the jury duty that I could win the court case. So I went out and got the passport card. And on the passport card, I asked them to change the status to a national, but not a U.S. citizen, national, but not a U.S. citizen. And I believed that I was successful. I, I believed I was successful at doing it. I went the extensive process and I got this zero five, which I believe was like an ambassador status, but I never got anything to prove it was a national. So I went through that entire process. I had a couple of run-ins. It didn't work in court. They didn't care one bit about it. Uh, they didn't even know. I, I guess I didn't know the right procedure at the time. So then uh, a few years passed by, and I, I, I had a couple of run-ins with, uh, with the law enforcement. And one was a, you know, just out in front of a, a residence that I showed them. I, I just, they were harassing everybody. And I said, if you guys run my I believe I had some sort of diplomatic status. That was my belief. I said, if I give you guys my passport and you run a background check on us, and if it comes back clear, will you will you leave us alone? So he he runs it. Twenty minutes later, comes back. He says, How did you get that on your How did you get that on your card? He didn't tell me what it meant. He just was you know, had his sunglasses on. He went from being a bad cop to all of a sudden a very inquisitive cop, and says, How did you get that? How did you do that? 
I, and I said, what, do what, do, what did you mean? He never clarified what he saw or what it was. That was my first time that actually, you know, he walked away and said, have a nice day. And there was definitely no problem. The other time was more recently in, um, uh, you know, you still with me, Tom? Oh yeah, I'm here, buddy. I'm listening okay. to you. I was going to, I was going to interject when you talked about the jury, but I'm going to let you run. Well, we could jump, but, but yeah, the, <laughs> so okay. I don't like to break people's chain of thought too much. You know, I do it, but I try not to. No, it's good. I mean, I, I, I want to lead up to here on, on this 14th amendment stuff, but just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll set a timer to make sure I don't go on too long, but no, uh, you just, you just take what you got. We got two hours, so buddy. We, so I'm having that situation with the cops and he, you know, this is in 2021 and he, he, he looks at the card and he said, he's asking me this question. I was what, how did you get this? You know, how did you do this on the, on the passport card? He never said what he saw. I asked him multiple times. I never, but it, so it made me really wonder as to what, what I did accomplish. Then uh, in 2023, earlier this year, there was another situation where uh, I got, stopped outside of a property and you know they they had to look at my id again and they asked for my id and of course i'm asking questions because uh, the king is always asking as king asking questions so i'm always there trying to ask questions with them and saying and making contracts so i say well if i give you this will you um you know will you give it back to me i mean well, i'm trying to enter in like a verbal contract with these guys and i give it to you will you let us go afterwards and if it's all clear will you leave us alone and so uh you know he he takes my passport card again and runs it and they come back and they say they couldn't find me in the system so i thought well what what are you talking about you can't find me i mean is it a fake id i don't understand so something was up with that then more recently now i've seen this information on the fam guide and it classifies all the statuses there on the fam endorsement manual and as roger talked about zero nine is national and then there's other statuses for ambassador well mine's zero uh, zero five which is an ambassador status which kind of makes sense now as to the experiences i've had but i'm still under the impression that it's not correct it should be national okay and that's where i i, I really want to make the case where i think there's a lot of misunderstanding about all this stuff at least in my opinion i i gotta look at the law and everything that what I've experienced, it's all comes down to, I guess it, the way these things are operating is all, you know, it is actually legal. They do it through the courts, they do it through the statutes and they do it through the procedures that they bring forward. And so I want to just touch on a couple of the cases that brought forward the, the four that basically solidified the rights under the 14th amendment. Before you, um, before you jump in, why don't you explain what the FAM is for people that might not know, because there's maybe some new people out there that don't understand some of the abbreviations. Well, you know, all these, these regulations are codified under the CFRs, which is the code of federal regulations. And so the right. code of federal relations is, uh, is a provision that basically authorizes these different regulatory agencies to have their administrative powers under the executive branch. So it probably gets better to simplify it to, to start at the at the beginning, where you know if you think about a baseball diamond, yeah, you know, we got a we we got a baseball diamond when we got first base is just the the legislative branch. So that's where we the people pass our laws. Uh, elect our officials to pass these legislative laws like Congress or our state legislature uh, to, to have these rules, you know, regulations that we want to uh, have have followed by the judicial branch. So where we go to the judicial branch and the judicial branch is the is the place that we have to move, I mean, motion to move with the executive with the legislative power on first base to then move the executive power over on third base to do something to act to enforce something so when we we start to uh, understand that we go from first to second to then third we have third which is going to be all the the police the sheriffs and even everybody under the 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 president all the executive powers, these, all those giant administrative agencies are at our beck and call as long as we know how to move through this process from legislative, judicial to executive. And so it's the executive agencies that the FAM 
guide comes under under the CFRs, and that FAM guide is is this big bureaucrat, one of the big giant bureaucratic agencies that's authorized to issue passports. And then this is that, giant, uh, is that FAM? Is that the what federal administrative manual or something like yeah, that? Federal I, yeah, federal okay. administrative manual. That's yeah, right. that's right. Okay, that's fine. Yep. And so yep. it was there. Uh, Roger tipped me off on one of the little little static, one of the little codes on there. So I had to take another closer look at it. And that was actually first time I, I was able to read in their own manual the endorsement codes. Uh, and it talks about the different codes um, which are are authorized on these passports. And I, I want to uh, preface this before we go. You know, everything I'm going to talk about right now. First of all, I I'm a non-lawyer. That's actually an actual classification, all right? So not part of the state bar. Um, you know, I'm I'm a, officially a non-lawyer. That's in California, just FYI. So I'm not, you know, saying that I'm part of the uh, an actual attorney or practicing law, but I'm definitely a non-lawyer. And you're now, not giving that, any kind of legal advice, so no, um, not, I but buyer I beware. <laughs> giving my own uh, analysis and legal analysis on, and my own, uh, you know, interpretation of what this what I'm reading here, okay? Because I've, you know, I've done a lot. I have a lot of experience in working with a uh, law firm, you know, for for the last three years and doing a lot of interpretation and and a lot of legal writing uh, for them, and you know, working on different different cases and helping out. So it's definitely been uh, given me a ton of experience. And somebody asked me earlier about the difference between legal and lawful. Well, I, I'm I'm not the one that understands the lawful stuff. That's not. That's that's not where I my my lane. My lane has all been legal, which is the uh, the statutes, the codes, the cases. You know, the old common law stuff. You know, the lawful stuff is rather uh, uh, harder for me to wrap my head around. Um, but it's it's definitely there, and that's actually one of the one of the things I want to get into here in a moment, uh, and with a very important case called United States versus Wong Kim Ark, uh, but. So, you know, that being said, you know, there's a, there's this Roger had talked about, and I mean, the, how the civil, okay. Can we agree that there's a lot of mystery uh, behind this civil war going back in time and history a little bit? We got this, this uh, civil war. And when we look at these pictures on the internet from the civil war, we, you notice that if you look, anybody gets to a Google search, and we look at these pictures and we see uh, that there's certain images are blurred. Okay. But then the, a lot of these other guys, they look fine. They're looking like they're posing and they're in a picture. And there's maybe some dead bodies in the background, supposedly, but then everybody's posing and they're not blurred. But if the civil war was a fighting war and it was a battle where all these people are in action, how are none of the images blurred? Why is I mean, there's very few blurred images and the cameras at that time they didn't have the capabilities to capture action shots it wasn't like now you know even now it's it can be challenging to capture action shots but can we agree that the civil war was a lot of act supposedly a lot of action yeah you gotta have a fast uh, f2 stop on a camera to get a moving picture to come out clear otherwise you're gonna have a smear so so if all these pictures that were taken during battle, or all these pictures, what about, why didn't they have any action shots? I mean, war is action, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure is. Well, at least, at least in some aspects, you know, it was like 90% uh, getting to the battle and 10% battle. <laughs> and so... There's a lot of question marks on this civil war thing because when, I mean, and I, I want to make the contention that it's it is it possible that the civil war was more of a Hollywood production than an actual an actual blood battle, and and it was actually done for a purpose. Hey, we got to um, just hold that thought. We got to take a break, folks. Okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, at the um, at the about quarter two. We're gonna start taking calls. So everybody knows the number, but we'll give it out at the end of this break when we come back. All right, hang on, folks. We'll be right back.
Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. Drinksupertea.com. Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately-issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing... The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one tenth ounce bars and don't forget for all of your precious metal needs whether buying or having the need to sell call kettle moraine limited remember no dinar no celery and no carrots if you buy from someone else tell them you want au not bs call kettle moraine ltd today at 602-799-8214 kettle moraine ltd 602-799-8214 think about it lately been watching some tv been looking all around me and what has come to be been talking to my neighbor and he agrees with me it's all gone crazy yes sir he took the words right out of my mouth everything's gone crazy all right well you're listening to tom d i'm your host for the night and we have our guest gavin mel mehl and if you want to look him up on youtube you can find some of his videos on many different subjects now, to keep this ability to bring on guests, we, we need your help, okay? We need your help out there. I know a lot of you have helped us in the past, and for that, I thank you very much. And we, on a continual basis, have to pay bills just like everybody else. And if you feel that you are uh, getting some good information here, it's enlightening, you're learning things that you never knew about, or even maybe you kind of had an idea what this stuff was but didn't really know how to express yourself, please give us a hand with a donation. And if you are so inclined and you want to call in during the show, we have a toll-free number for you, 800-724-2719. And if you press uh, button three, you will... Uh, be greeted with a very friendly voice of Julie, who will take your information. And we thank you very much. Um, we will take some calls um, after this next break, if you want. And the uh, call number is 512-248-8252. Most of you that have been right here know that thing by heart. 
And for those of you that do not have toll free where you can't call from your home, let's say you got an old copper line and it's a toll call for you. We have an 800 number, which is 800-313-9443. I'd ask that just use that for those folks that would uh, have to pay for a phone call to call us. But if you have most everybody would have a cell phone that has unlimited calling throughout the country, please use the 512-248-8252 that helps us keep the phone bill down. So um, the, the more we keep the bills down, the less we have to ask for help for. All right, we're going to go back. We um, we have another break coming up in a few minutes, um, Gavin, but let's um, – if you want to um, fill in for a few minutes here with some, so, you know, I was going to, you know what I could the, you know, you were talking about the jury duty and uh, the fact that they took you off. Um, that's really funny because, you know, for, I bet you for 40 years, I put my name in volunteered to uh, be a juror and not once have I ever been called. And I mean, like, I really want to do this. I want to see just, you know, what goes on in that jury room, you know, who's, you know, who's who and who's taking control and, and twisting people's minds and all that. Because, you know, uh, you're aware of the fully informed jury association, right? Well, it would be great to participate, seems like. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'd love it. You know, I just see, uh, you know, see if somebody comes in there and says, OK, this is the way you're going to do it. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, you're going to find this guy guilty, not guilty or whatever. And, you know, boy, I just love to see that happen if I could get in. But 40 years, I've never once been called and I volunteered and uh, I've lived in multiple states over the years. And, you know, Florida, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, um, where else? Maryland. Uh, Texas, Illinois. I've been all over the place. Never once was my name called. I think um, having a PDT on my individual master file at the uh, Infernal Revenue Service is a. I bet you they take a look at that kind of stuff and say, "Oh, we uh, we have to have uh, we can't have this guy on there because he's a you know PDT is a PDT is an a." Uh, three letters they put on your individual master file to identify you as a potentially dangerous taxpayer. Now, I don't understand why they uh, put that on there. I mean, uh, I, I was trying to get something straightened out and they, they wouldn't uh, meet me. Office, so I just kind of, you know, tagged along an IRS agent to his house and file and served him with a cease and desist. And then it was like the whole sky opened up on me, <laughs> but they stopped bothering me. So um, other than that, you know, <laughs> or seems like something has something to do with the U.S. being a U.S. citizen. That's what that's my experience. So it, it definitely every well, time back I want, in the day before I ever met Roger. And, you know, I've said this a couple of times that that Roger and I ran in some of the same circles. We knew some of the same people, um, you know, Howard Griswold, for one. You know, I've how many times his name has come up in different conversations, and I heard that on the Radio Ranch this morning uh, listening to Steve, and I'm going like, wow, all these people, you know, that uh, I was right there. I mean, I was right in the middle of it, and somehow I just never connected, and it really... You know, I wish I had a little time machine, jump back 30 years and then uh, start all over and straighten this crap out. So, so anyway, <laughs> how much time do we have before the break? I think we have about another minute or so. OK, and so uh, I want to go in. You know, It's going to have to be after this break. I really want to go through this you know, and do a full analysis on the most one of the like the most important case in our entire American history on on U.S. citizenship, and that's United States versus Wong Kim Ark. It is an, is like a treatise, so it's going to take a little time to go through and break it down. But if we can, before you go to break, I'll just tell you, uh, the Rocket Man Steve, I, uh, you know, I, he's a good friend of mine, and we, you want to have him on in a couple weeks. He did that call back in 2012. <laughs> And this guy, you know, has some amazingly funny stories. Um, you know, he's from a little town in Orlando, okay? And I, I call him the Rocket Man. That's a nickname I gave him personally because he he he's a rock, he's a former rocket scientist. That's what he does. This guy's a freaking okay. rocket scientist. <laughs> All okay. right. Well, let's pick it up after so, the break. We got music. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Okay. Thanks. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can 
handle the truth. The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Syrah grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. I think uh, I think uh, Judy played that for us. Julie played that song just for us because you never know. I wonder who's following now. Who? The IRS? <laughs> it's a great song. So, um, all right. So, if you anybody out there has been listening and might have any questions, uh, we are going to start taking calls. And as soon as I get my stupid screen to go here. Um, so, if you have any questions for Gavin... We will uh, start taking calls when we start seeing something pop in. 512-248-8252 is the, to- uh, the toll number uh, for anybody that has uh, free calling, 800-313-9443 for those folks that may still have an old copper line and have to pay for every phone call they make. All right. Okay. So, Gavin, you get into um, the, the cases there. United Long- States Long versus Kim Long Ark. Kim Ark. Right. Yep. All right. So – Boy, you know, this this case, you know, when it talks about you know, the common law, the common law, you know, really it's found in the annotated code, meaning the holdings of the courts and what the holdings of, of the courts have said about specific issues, citizenship, nationality, you know, interpreting the 14th Amendment. And so this case here is the 
the controlling case by the Supreme Court. So what happened here was it was a writ of habeas corpus uh, issued back in 1895 by the District Court of the United States of the Northern District. So the the gentleman was a San Francisco. He was born in San Francisco of Chinese descent, where both of his parents were born in, of Chinese descent. But he was technically born in San Francisco. So he took a trip out to China. And from a temporary visit to China, he applied uh, to this to a, the collector of customs for permission to land back on the boat. And he got refused permission. So his liberty was restrained by the collector and the general manager of the steamship company acting under under his dis, uh, direction uh, said that he basically could not enter. Uh, so. This case, you know, was 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 basically where this all came from. So he, it was they were trying to determine is this guy allowed to be here or not? And the United States is saying no. He's supposed to. Um, so basically, uh, kind of a couple of quote citations from the case. It's saying that the Constitution nowhere defines the meaning of the words either by way of inclusion or exclusion. And we're talking about under the now we're talking about the Fourteenth Amendment here. Uh, insofar as it's done by the affirmative declaration that all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. So in this, as to all other respects, it must be interpreted in the light of the common law, the principles of history in which were familiarly known to the framers of the Constitution. So this case, what it's doing is it's now... Uh, the judges are going to go and start interpreting and say, well, since there's some the guys who wrote the Constitution, the framers, they didn't define the words in the 14th Amendment exactly what they meant when they were saying all persons born or naturalized United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. They didn't define each of those words. So now we have to look to the common law to help bring forward the interpretation of that. And they cite a bunch of cases and as to why that needs to be done. And so it goes into this giant, you know, treatise of case law. And and what it starts talking about is the old English common law. And if it wasn't for Roger, I I would probably have missed this. But you know, let me just you and me, you and me both. <laughs> I would have missed this because it's it's like okay, oh, the English common law. It's talking about it as like a very good thing, and it's talking about allegiance for protection, where we give allegiance as a U.S. citizen here, and we get protection. I mean, it sounds pretty good, but then it talks about the feudal law. I, I really didn't know much about the feudal law or the feudal system, but it's very clearly talking about it in this case here. And it talks about how under the old English common law, the fundamental principle of the English common law with regards to English nationality was birth with allegiance, also called legality, obedience, faith or power of the king. This is citing the the actual case. And so, it, the court's breaking down the old English common law from back in the day at where the subjects of England must had to be obedient to the lord of the manor for protection. What, and what was this old system? You know, back all the way back from the Middle Ages, you know, credit to Roger and his teachers, but it was a feudal system. You know, and this old feudal system was... I was on a call earlier today, and and this the, the old story about Plato's allegory of the cave cave came up, and it's like where these guys were in a cave, and they were scared of their own shadows. They're I guess they're against the wall, and they were getting protection from their own shadows, where they would if they stayed in the cave, they would be protected, and they wouldn't be, you know, harmed by their shadows. One at the end, one of the guys gets out. And he realizes that he chooses, he chooses to get out. He volunteers out of the cave. And all of a sudden he says, hey, you know, these shadows aren't, aren't harming us at all. I don't need to be any protection from my own shadow. I can be free. And, and it's a really, it's an allegory as to what's really going on here. So I want to go into that a little bit later on as to, as to the volunteer, how, how what this is, according to this case, is that we're, we're getting the opportunity to volunteer in as a United States citizen, we get to volunteer. It doesn't sound so bad. I get to volunteer, 
in and out of that jury duty. That's a, an example. I'm here. I, I well, I, I want to volunteer out. You know, I don't want to participate. Okay, fine. You don't have to participate. I volunteered out and I didn't get any more letters about jury duty, you know? So, but what this case going back to Wong Kim, uh, arc United States versus Wong Kim arc. So it goes on a little bit further down in the case. And it, it talks about how president grant in 19, uh, he was, he basically petitioned, he required the opinions of members of his cabinet uh, upon several questions of allegiance, naturalization and expatriation. And this is a trying to interpret the 14th Amendment. Now, the courts gave this much weight. They used this wording. They said, Mr. Fish, in his opinion, which is entitled to much weight, that's a citation from the court, as well as as well as from the circumstances under which it was rendered, as from which masterly treatment of the subject of the subject said, quote, every independent state has has as one of the incidents of its sovereignty the right of municipal legislation and jurisdiction over all persons within its territory. So each independent state and may therefore change those their nationality by naturalization. And this without regard to the municipal law of the country whose subjects are so naturalized. So without regard to the municipal law of the country, whose subjects are so naturalized, as long as they remain or exercise the rights conferred by naturalization within the territory of the jurisdiction of the state, of the state which grants it. So this is the, uh, the president. So the president asked for the opinion of this particular body of law at the time, 1873. So what does this mean uh, over here about this, this, uh, you know, let's simplify it. State citizen. Okay. What does this actually mean? He's making it very complicated the way he's wording it, but what does this mean? He's saying that each state is sovereign and that state, you know, the per- people in those states, they get to uh, choose, you know, how they're going to run their state. It's their own little mini nation over there. Okay. And they're not necessarily subject to the jurisdiction over the federal government within the, unless they so volunteer to. Okay, I mean, unless they choose to be. So, what's interesting is actually the dissent in this in this case. Okay, so you've got the controlling opinion, you know, which actually which actually sent the case back uh, and saying that Wong Kim Ark, no, he was, you know, he does have the rights of a United States citizen. So, the, you know, basically the case got sent back, and he they said that he did have the rights of a United States citizen. He does have the right, he, you know, the the, the the United States uh, attorney, uh, district attorney, the U.S. attorney was wrong and they made an error. So they had to send it back. But the dissenting opinion were two judges. And what they wrote it was Chief Justice Fuller joining in Justice Harlan. And the dissent argues that the 14th Amendment does not automatically grant citizenship to all persons born in the United States. This is the dissent. According to the dissent, the amendment does not impose the common law rule of birthright citizen as an absolute rigid rule. The U.S. had rejected perpetual allegiance and differs from the, the original uh, English rule in, in that aspects. So what's really uh, what's really happening in this case is the 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 controlling opinion. So the judges that 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 controlled the law and decided the case decided that the old English common law, what Roger talked about as the feudal system, it's my opinion, and as to interpreting this case, okay, as a non-lawyer's perspective, not legal advice, read, read it yourself, that it appears that they did bring forward the feudal system over the United States citizens, okay, based upon the old common law, the old English common law, because they didn't have anything else to base it on. That's their reasoning for it. And this, these judges, Justice Fuller and Harlan, they, they firmly resisted and they said, no, no, we reject that. You know, we reject this, the Declaration of Independence, you know, you know, the people of the United States, the original Declaration of Independence, they did not want to bring forward the old English common law the old feudal system forward here. This is what these other justices are trying to stand up and say, no, but they didn't, they were dissenting opinion. Okay. So uh, the dissent contends that the 14th amendment has 
is not declaratory of the common law and does not prohibit Congress from re restricting citizenship races via treaty or naturalization. I mean, this is where things got to really, really get interesting in this case. I mean, these just judges are trying to stand up and say, no, we do not want to bring forward this old English common law. The 14th Amendment was not designed to bring forward this um, feudal system. I mean, you know, if you look at feudal system in Black's Law or the Fourth Edition, or you really try to interpret the definition of it, I'm under the opinion, okay, that it, when it, you, you look at the feudal law, it doesn't just say this. You're not going to be able to just say, oh, it says this. But it, it, it is voluntary servitude, not involuntary, because if you look at the Constitution, what does it say about servitude? Well, it, it outlawed involuntary servitude. We can't have uh, slaves anymore. What about volunteer? Can we volunteer into slavery? You know, Tom? Yeah, sure. You can make a contract for anything you want. You know, I mean, as All long right. as it's not, uh, write a contract. you know, a contract to rob a bank or something like that. Yeah, you know, so yeah if I want to sure. Everything into, is all voluntary. Yes. So if I want to volunteer into servitude, anything wrong with that? Well, I mean, the people people do that when they go in the military. You know, you're you're <laughs> signing up for involuntary, you know, voluntary servitude. You know, hey, I was All making right. like what six cents an hour for them when yeah. I was in the military. So you, you know what? Voluntary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. so it looks like not only you know did it bring forward in the military, but it it appears that this case, according to the uh, controlling opinions, they're bringing forward allowing hey the voluntary the. They're not using these words, okay, but they do talk about the feudal law. And what is the feudal law? It was the, this old land law in the middle, middle, mid, medieval times that that they al pledged their allegiance to the lords of the manor, and each lord of the manor would give them protection as long as they gave their allegiance to the lord there, uh, and whether it was in war, or fighting as a soldier, or just working as a peasant. And so they got protection from the Lord of the Manor, and they had to be completely give all their allegiance, pledge their soul and all their property to that Lord of the Manor. So according to this, um, and what Roger has talked about on his, it's, it, is, it is more likely than not that is exactly what's going on here, is that we've got two separate classes of citizenship where you got the old state citizen which is the common law state citizen called the national now. And then you've got the United States citizen, which according to this case, United States versus Wong Kim Ark is the bringing forward the old English common law. The, the old, which is, I, I got to give it to Roger, the feudal system. It seems to be, that's the case. Now I'm totally open, open to being a, to argument on that, I'm sure that attorneys would uh, would argue otherwise and, and interpret this case some other way. Break in two minutes. You got it. <clears throat> you know, and when we, uh, yeah, but this is something that is this case you know should have been taught in in school. We should have done a full semester on interpreting this if we had a and really understanding what actually happened here. And I, I want to go last few minutes. You're really going to break here, Tom, because of uh, the the. If the if, let's say if the feudal system is in place for United States citizens, and then just like I was able to volunteer out of jury duty, wouldn't it make sense that we could also volunteer out of of that of the of that control of that federal jurisdiction for in turn for getting protection? Because the the key is, is we're supposedly getting protection. What are we giving up? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. Are we really giving up anything? But it's. It looks like, according to the uh, INA, which is the Immigration and Nationality Act. Maybe we can talk to, talk a little bit about that when we get back, Tom. The uh, the public law and how that applies, you know, to to United States, uh, you know, to people in the states. It's yeah, about the yeah, U.S. national. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand that a lot of these things that we think that we're required to do are voluntary. I mean, you know, you read the front of the um, the income tax book, and it says our system is based on voluntary compliance, not upon, not on restraint. You know, wait, uh, sorry, <laughs> but if you, you know, once you kind of volunteer, you have to unvolunteer, just as you were saying earlier. So, 
it's uh it's it's tricky you know it's and it's and they do it intentionally they make this stuff confusing and um you know i was reading while i was listening to steve's show this morning i was thumbing through the texas constitution and the texas uh in texas the the property taxes are all done by counties the state doesn't have an overall um a way to do it so they leave it to the counties and the counties decide how they're going to tax which is probably you know that's the way things are supposed to be you know you're supposed to make decisions closest to the people and the people can say hey you know we either like that or not but you know these bunch of politicians we got now they just run right over the top of us and you know we they think well they know better than us so all right there's the music we're we're taking calls 512-248-8252 and uh, we have a caller waiting when we get back. And don't forget, uh, let's get some. Uh, please try and give a Julia call and throw five, ten bucks in the bucket because we we really need it. Thank you very much. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Okay, coming up on the uh, end of the first hour, Gavin's going to touch on some uh, interesting story about Steve, <laughs> and I'm going to let him take it, and then we have uh, oh, we got about five or six callers backed up, so we'll uh, get to them as soon as Steve is done. Yeah, we can talk about the INA the in, in after this if you like. But you know, funny thing about so about Steve, yeah, Rocket Man Steve Emerson out in Orlando, the king of Orlando. Let me just tell you, this guy, he's one of these. Okay, so he's a guy that grew up 
in this town. And one of the type of guys that, that all of his friends that he grew up with were in the same neighborhood since they were kids. And they all still live together, you know, with big families and are all super close in this little town or, you know, in Orlando. And so what, so they like have each other's back, you know, like, like brothers. And what happened was one of the days, uh, Steve okay, is a rocket scientist at the time. He's retired now, but he's a rocket scientist. And so incredibly smart. And what happened was one of the one of the guys, uh, one of his neighbors, uh, the local police there in Orlando came on his property because he they were citing his cars. They would you know, park cars up on the lawn and the property and they didn't like that. So they kept getting tickets and they would just throw the tickets out, and not do anything about them. And then eventually they the little municipal uh, code enforcement guys came on the property and killed one of his neighbor's pets, uh, you know, I guess with a, I don't know if it was a gun, and it shot it. One of his pets had died. This Steve took personal, and they they had a kind of a little one of these revolutions in the neighborhood. And they said, you know, we're not we're we're standing up to this. And so what he did was he educated himself on Title Forty Two suits, nineteen eighty three, uh, and you know I'm not talking about. And this is a long process to learn, but he educated himself on that. They filed a Title Forty Two suit. Uh, this is after he'd done a number of small claim suits and got a lot of experience. And he sued the officers that uh, that killed the pets, okay? Uh, and he, you know, pled it out so perfectly to where he, there was really no way around it. They couldn't do a motion to dismiss on it. They couldn't, um, the pleading was absolutely perfect. There's a certain standard of pleadings now in these Title 42 suits that are very hard to meet. But he was able to blend in the Title 42 and the Title 18 allegations uh, to where it was perfectly pled. By the time he served it on them, they immediately picked up the phone and they didn't answer the complaint. Steve tells a story. Like, they never answered the complaint. I'm thinking like, how do you, how do they not answer the complaint? If, you, if they didn't answer, you must have defaulted them, right? He's like, no, they begged us to go into immediate settlement and mediation. And so he says, okay, well, what happened, Steve? He's like, well, we went into, we went into settlement and, uh, you know, <laughs> and I said, okay, well, well, what happened? He's like, well, we told them we didn't want to settle. I said, so did you settle? He's like, yeah. Well, what, how did you settle? What happened? He's like, well, we get down to the uh, to the settlement meeting with these guys. And this is, you know, the the local municipal uh, code enforcement people that kill the cops. And Steve's in there as the lead, the lead negotiator for his neighbor, you know, saying, hey, listen, guys. And Steve is a is is a bad dude, man. He is a, he is a he's an he's an amazing guy. When you guys have mine, you're going to love it. He's an amazing storyteller. And I'll let him. Hopefully he'll he'll shed the share the whole story, but he gets into the negotiation and he's like, "Listen, we're not settling. We don't want to settle. Uh, we don't want your money. We want we want we want vindication." And he's like, "Vindication? What are you talking about?" He's like, "You see all those guys in those trucks outside there with the you know firearms on top <laughs> out, out in the out in the parking lot?" He's like, "Yeah." You know, we want vindication. We want, we want to take, we want one of you guys just take. <laughs> so yeah, right. Steve, Look, we're up. Uh, we're getting to a hard break, so um, we'll we'll finish yeah, that up on the other end. Ended uh, up settling the case for nineteen million dollars. Okay, and that's what they ended up getting. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll give the people listening something to chew on. We'll see you on the other side of the break. We're going to start taking calls. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. You can't handle the truth. 
You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.